Hi there, everybody. Ed asked me to chime in and let you know about me. My name is Dan, and I am weird. But I don't see weird as a bad thing. Weirdish means people marching to the beat of a different drum, not fitting into that hole that society wants to shove you into. On my show, The Power of Weird, I'm talking to people like me. The weirder, the better. So when you're done listening to this great episode of the Dead America Podcast, come on over to thepowerofweird.com and start the descent into your weirdom. And remember, be the weird you want to see in the world. I'll see you next time on The Power of Weird. Discovering pleasure with passion. Our life sometimes becomes mundane, and we've got to be able to fulfill that excitement that we all need. Today's guest is here to talk just about that with us. Combined, Alicia and her husband has over 40 years of experience to share with us today. Let's not waste any time and jump right into this exciting episode. Hello, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you may be around this wild, wacky, and sometimes disturbing world of ours. Yes, that's the intro to the Mindset Podcast, a weekly attempt to open eyes and shedding light on what's really going on in the world, all done by ripping apart the media madness that masquerades as news. Join me, Gareth Davis, every Sunday on the Mindset Podcast. You can find the show on all major podcasting services such as iTunes, Stitcher, and so on. Or you can go directly to the main Mindset website. That's www.mindsetcentral.com. Check out the Mindset Podcast. Bring your curiosity, your opinions, and a sense of humor. And remember that some worldviews are stranger than others. To overcome, you must educate. Educate not only yourself, but educate anyone seeking to learn. We are all dead America. We can all learn something. To learn, we must challenge what we already understand. The way we do that is through conversation. Sometimes we have conversations with others. However, some of the best conversations happen with ourselves. Reach out and challenge yourself. Let's dive in and learn something right now. Today we have Alicia Davon. She is one of the founders at Erwan Davon Teachings. And what they do is they help you unleash your relationship potential. This is a very important topic that more people need to talk about. So let's get into this. Alicia, could you please introduce yourself and let people know just a little bit about you and what you do. Sure. Well, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. And um, let's see. So 
My husband, Erwan, and I run an organization. We're based in the San Francisco Bay Area, but we work with people all over the world. Um, most of our classes and our coaching is done online. And we support both singles and couples in having incredible relationship lives, and that includes sexual lives. And We've been, well, Erwan founded our organization back in 1995. So I'll just say like a one-liner about him so people have the context of how our organization was created in the first place. Um, he, well, in addition to having recovered from a pretty traumatic childhood, he um, studied psychology and lived in a Zen monastery for an extended period of time and was the director of a yoga ashram and led personal growth seminars for a worldwide organization. So that was like his training that then led him to found Air One Day One Teachings. And he really wanted to focus all of his efforts on romantic relationship for singles and couples from a spiritual perspective. And I met Air One when I was finishing up a master's degree in psychology. And I was planning to be a therapist. And then a friend of mine introduced me to him because she thought I would think he was really cool, like to date, because here's this guy and he teaches this classes about psychology and romance and sexuality. And I, I just jumped right into a relationship with him. And then the whole story of how our romance um, developed. But long story short, I joined his organization to teach with him about 10 years after he founded the organization. So since about 2003, we've been teaching together and people come to us to get into a great long-term relationship, a soulmate relationship. Couples come to us to juice their relationships up or deal with issues or bring more chemistry into the relationship. And people have, we all as human beings have, psychological stuff that comes up for us around relationship and sexual stuff and communication issues and we deal with all of it relationship is not easy i've been with my wife since 1983 and mm. the best thing that has ever happened to me without her i would be nothing and a lot of the time we as men we forget that that's for sure and sex is not just about sex your whole day is part of this and what you guys do is you promote relaxation techniques and how to be closer and why don't we get into a little bit of what you guys do with your five keys to a successful relationship Sure. Yeah, I'll talk a little bit about that and you can feel free to ask me any questions about it, you know, to clarify things or whatever. Um, so we have a method that we use called the Davon method that we've developed to support singles and couples in having the best relationship life they can have. Because we all know, you know, sometimes we're not set up to have a successful romantic life. Um usually due to a, the combination of a, you know, conditioning, difficult upbringing or experiences that we've had or that we witnessed, and also a lack of training and skills. So the first part of the Davon method is consciousness. So that means bringing awareness 
consciousness to these hidden relationship patterns, you know, like if you've ever found yourself wondering why your relationships keep ending the same way, or you keep having the same complaints in relationship, or if you're in one, you know, you keep having the same fight or the conflict over and over. All of those things are due to unconscious patterns. So our first task is to bring all of those to light so they're not unconsciously driving our romantic life. The second part of the method is contact. So they all start with C. So contact is making contact with your deeper self. And what that means to me is the self, the who's there, beyond all of those ways that you normally think about yourself. You know, I'm a good person, a bad person. I have this issue. I have that issue. I'm this kind of person, that kind of person. We all have our own ideas of ourselves. There's an an us, an, an I, a, a being, or whatever you want to call it beyond all of that. So contacting that opens up a whole world of freedom of who you know yourself to be. And the consciousness part and the contact part make it so you can actually learn newly versus, you know, piling new information about how to have a great relationship on top of how you already know yourself. The third part of the method is chemistry. So this is the fun part, unleashing the chemistry between the masculine and the feminine. A lot of people feel um, victimized by chemistry, like, oh, we went on this date and like there just wasn't chemistry or, you know, we've been married for X number of years and we're really close in a lot of ways, but there's just no chemistry and people think it's either there or it's not. But really, you have a lot of say. You can have your hand on the dial of how much chemistry there is in your own body and someone else's. So we've got a lot of skills we teach around that. The fifth part we call choreography, which is all about dancing through the stages of romantic relationships successfully. You know, most of us have been flying blind as human beings in romantic relationship. We didn't really learn what to do when. And Erwan and I have mapped out the stages of relationship and the different skills to go along with them, you know? So like what really makes the dating stage thrive? What are those skills, you know, for example, learning to have fun and, and have exciting experiences together, you know, as opposed to when you get deeper into a commitment, you want to keep that good fun stuff, but bring in some communication and depth and vulnerability, that kind of thing. So that's all the choreography is about. And then finally, cultivation of your sexual potential. Because you can't leave sex out in a romantic relationship. That's the spark. That's the fire. So we have a signature sensual technique that we teach called extended orgasm. And we can get more into that if you want. And we also have some touching practices that we teach people. And just, you know, bringing in that sensual touch, those skills can have a relationship feel really great as it progresses. The areas that you touch, a lot of people call taboo. If you're married, you really have to set those bounds yourself and find out what works for you. 
and not be afraid to discover. And this self-discovery part is really hard, especially when you're new to a relationship. Really getting to know each other and opening up to one another takes truth. And I hear Erwan speak of that quite a bit through all of his things. As a young man, when I started dating my wife at 17 years old, I did not have that truthfulness really inside of me. And that is so hard on a relationship, and it will carry on for so many years. So finding that truth and being able to communicate effectively with each other, with your partner, I find that to be one of the most important things of a relationship. What is the most important relationship value that you yourself see? Well, what you just shared would be up there <laughs> in terms of the most important values in a relationship. and. Something similar to that, what I would say is the commitment to growing and developing as a human being. That quality, like people often ask us, okay, like what, what qualities should I look for in my partner? Or like, what's the best way to develop myself? How should I become? You know, people have all of these ideas of, okay, like I need to be more masculine or more feminine, and that's going to land me the great relationship. Now, those are very important qualities, and that's a very important topic, especially these days, the masculine feminine. But before all of that, being a person that's willing to grow, develop, look at yourself, learn about yourself, and also finding somebody that's willing to do that, that is the best thing you could do for your romantic life. Working with so many couples, what is some of the hardest cases you've dealt with? Oh, wow. That's a great question. <laughs> oh, we just love everybody we work with. You know, it's, it's just so fun and it's such a privilege. You know, I think connected to what I just said, the hardest situation is when one person is open to growing and developing and the other one isn't. So that can create a lot of difficulty because, you know, we all have issues as human beings. So if, you know, we've seen so many things, you know, just couples at the bottom, bottom and complexity and family stuff and sexual stuff and kids and betrayals and affairs that, you know, there's so many things, but if both people are willing to look and grow and develop, it's not a quote unquote hard case because, you know, where you're, when you're willing to open, there might be pain and difficulty, but you will move through it. It's challenging when one of the partners just kind of isn't interested or isn't open to that. Um, the relationship can still improve. It's not necessarily a lost cause but it's more challenging because it's sort of more on one person's shoulders. Um, so without going into specifics, you know, I'm trying to think of specifics. There's so many and it's always helpful to have, you know, a, a story and 
I, but, but what I would say right now is if they're not on the same page about being open. Yeah, I would agree that's very important because if you're not seeing results in both individuals, you're not actually able to measure that growth. Yeah, you know, I'll give you an example actually, because this is a couple that we were just working with recently. So it's a couple. They were probably in their 40s. They've got a young child, you know, around one or two years old. And they saw us on a, a, a class that we taught for parents on how to thrive in your relationship and this everything there is to do, you know, as parents, which is there's just so much. And she was really excited about learning sensual skills and having their sex life had really ought to take it to the next level. And he was scared. He was scared. I remember talking to them and she was like, had the biggest smile on her face. I was like, I want to learn that extended orgasm uh, technique you, you talked about. And I want to have more sexual activity. And he, his eyes were just so wide. He looked like a deer in headlights. <laughs> And and he, you know, she wanted to sign up to do some coaching and, and sign up for our Mastery of Relationship class, which is a weekly online class we have with a group, group of people. And he, you know, like in a gentlemanly way, was like, hey, babe, if you want to do this, we'll do this. You know, like, I don't know what we're getting ourselves into, but we'll do this. And that was a really great step forward. He was, you know, open to growing and developing and then there was a challenge that happened in the work with them, which was that we were training them in these different touching practices. And when anytime she would say, hey, let's let's try these practices, he would hear his mother's voice in his head saying, you should do this. There's something wrong with you and you have to do this and you have to do what I say. Uh-huh. And so he kept, he would avoid it. You know, they would come to their sessions and the practice wouldn't have happened. And he was always like, are we done with this yet? How come, how often do we have to do this? And she was like hungry to grow and develop, you know, the rest of their relationship. So it definitely was a big difficulty, especially given that they were you know, married and they had this child and they didn't want to split up. They have a great relationship, but it was definitely a sort of impasse. Yeah, that's, kind of one of those things where your likes may not necessarily be in line or in tune with one another, but reaching out over across that line that you're uncomfortable with, especially with somebody that you love and can trust, that's very important. Those are the times when you should feel the most comfortable doing that experimental type of behavior with somebody that you're closest with. Because if you're not certain, you never know. And it's it's kind of one of those things we hold ourselves back a lot of the times. I interviewed Lois Hollis yesterday for the podcast. Mm-hmm. And she is a shame-guilt counselor. Mm. And I'll tell you, the the knowledge this woman has, she's 77 years old, and she knows how that shame guilt actually can prevent us from so many things. Yeah. So so do you see that a lot in your practice, this shame guilt being effective or uh destructive in a relationship? 
Yes. It, it, uh, if it's not addressed, it can definitely be, be destructive. And one of the big um, cornerstones of the work that Erewhon and I do is working with what we call the inner critic. And uh-huh. the, you know, so you can kind of imagine that, that, that nasty gremlin sitting on your shoulder or really actually sitting inside your head constantly telling you what you're doing wrong or like patting you on the back for being a good boy or a good girl. And that it's a psychological structure, a psychic structure, you know, psychologically um, they call it the super ego. And it it is, if you don't deal with your own inner critic, it just wreaks havoc. And that is where a lot of shame and guilt comes from just feeling like something's wrong, something's wrong with me. We internalize very early messages we got from our parents. I mean, our inner critics are originally the voice of our parents. And not everybody had, you know, nasty messages coming from their parents, and a lot of people have, you know, but it's more like just internalizing a control system. And then it it just becomes kind of archaic, and it's like this constant mechanism in our head judging everything. And we can judge our partners and judge the relationship and then sex. I mean, that is a huge area where people have a lot of shame and guilt because of their upbringing and conditioning. So learning to become aware of the inner critic and also learning how to disengage from it is a huge part of our work because sometimes that it's just the linchpin, you know, like you sort of like, why does it feel so bad? Why am I having trouble? Why do I feel you know, like I shouldn't have sex or why do I feel like it's wrong or, you know, um, yeah, it can wreak havoc in a relationship if not handled. Yeah. What, what type of conditioning or program do you have to handle something like that? If people are handling or having this issue in their relationship? So the way that, that I handle it and we handle it is it's, it's a few different steps. And this is this is taken from a variety of different um, studying we've done over the years. And the first the key is to become aware of it. So what we say is it's good to notice these inner critic attacks by writing them down. So anytime you notice that you're judging yourself, right, like a simple example, like you look in the mirror and we something you don't like and then you're saying something to yourself like wow you're never going to make it you're never going to look good enough you suck something write it down we have our students write them down and when you log these inner critic attacks it is amazing how mean we can be to ourselves you know you just see like you know we have people write it in the second person so you you know you should have you shouldn't have you you know so bringing awareness is the first thing because sometimes you know, we're not even aware of it. We're just like walking around kind of feeling like crap and we don't know why. Or we're just disapproving of our partner, but we don't know why. So bringing awareness. Then comes disengaging from the inner critic, which is a really key part. So it might seem kind of silly, but it really makes a difference. You find a way to say no to that inner critic. Like you're sitting there and then you notice it saying, you really messed up that interview. You don't even engage it. You say, no, or screw you, or shut up, or, you know, you can say it even out loud or just say it inside your head. Yeah. Force and 
strength is necessary to disengage because it's such a nasty force and it's actually kind of siphoning our own strength when it's attacking us. So we take that strength back and push the inner critic out. So again, it can seem a little silly, but if you really get the hang of recognizing the inner critic and saying no, it'll have less of a hold on you. Yeah, that's so true. So what are some of the most fascinating experiences that you and your husband had together transforming lives like this? Do you mean particularly as it relates to the inner critic? Oh, no, I'm just talking about you building your own relationships in conjunction with your work efforts towards helping others. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, there's just so many. I mean, it, what's been really fun recently over the last bunch of years, we had a child about five years ago. And we had been supporting a lot of couples that have had children and, you know, prioritizing their romantic life and everything. And we thought we had it all figured out. And then our son Aiden came into the picture and it was like a train hit us. We were like, oh my gosh, I remember like one morning sitting with him and he's just so precious. He's awesome. He's he's almost five and he's just the light of our lives. But sitting there on the couch and I was breastfeeding him and I like could not believe how tired I was. I was so tired and Erwan came up and he's like, gosh, you know, like we haven't been having the kind of sex life that we were having before. We haven't been connecting and this is what we swore would not happen. And we, oh my gosh, here we are. We're in that position. And, you know, of course, the actual intercourse gets to wait. You know, the woman's body has to heal a lot of the time. And of course, all of your efforts are going towards keeping this young little being alive. So, um, but, you know, after a while, we're like, wow, we really fell into this. And that's when we really doubled down on our sensual practices and we developed an even better system for them that we could teach and demonstrate and, and kind of train other couples in. And it's just amazing. We work with tons of parents now of young kids as well as, as many other singles and couples. And just there's like this drift when you become parents of like, oh, well, there's not going to be as much sex and you just settle into a new normal. And what I mean by sex is not just intercourse. I mean, sensual interaction, you know, holding physical touch can include intercourse, but just that whole sensual romantic realm of the relationship goes by the wayside. And then it just has you have a hard time. People have a hard time bringing it back. So being able to support ourselves and also um, all of the couples we work with that have just kind of drifted and bring that chemistry back. It's just amazing. People are like, I I just thought this was gone. You know, I mean, most people's parents didn't necessarily have a super obviously active romantic and sensual life. And it's like, you know, a new paradigm. Yeah. You know, and that really reflects when it comes to, the children around a relationship, a good, loving, honest, open relationship that there is trust and there is that understanding that everybody has the ability to be their best or their worst. It it rubs off on children. And 
we need more people understanding how to have these good relationships. And as we all know, we all have issues in our relationships. They come up. It's how we deal with them that really matters. And one of the things I've learned over the many years with my wife is, number one, I try not to go to bed on a sour note. Mm -hmm. Yes, we try like heck to work it out before we go to bed. Sometimes that's not always possible, but start first thing in the morning working on that. And the next thing, and I think it's one of the most valuable things that I've learned over the years is that morning wake-up time is so important. And I've heard you guys discuss this, but me and my wife has a morning routine. I always get up way before her, and I know about the time that she gets up. So I try to go in and do a morning wake up, give a morning kiss and a, you know, rub the back, get a morning routine going because my wife went through a lot as a child and she needs that intimate touch a lot of the time or or she just doesn't feel worthy of herself. So these times that we have like a tradition, I guess, or a routine, how important do you feel that is and how often do you teach that? Well, first of all, it's really lovely to hear about this routine that you have with your wife. And it sounds like it's just so full of love and compassion and Oh, it's just so nice to hear that. Um, it, Erwin and I are all about practices because, you know, especially teaching the kind of stuff we do, I mean, it's we try not to make it too easy to just uh, collect information. You know, as human beings, we think we need information, right? We're like on the Internet looking for inter- information and, you know, taking classes and watching videos and all of that is great. You know, it's good to get some information, but it's not you don't just need great information. It's it's the living of this information. And our work, it was really important to us not only to give a personal touch, you know, really have a deep connection with each of our students that we work with, but also support everybody in implementing and living these insights and, and practicing this information. So we have four practices that we train our students in. And the four practices, the purpose of them is to be more awake, you know, more present, and also more turned on and more connected romantically and sensually. And the four practices are meditation, first of all, which can look so many different ways. You don't need to be in a full lotus position, you know, back straight kind of thing. You know, meditation can be done seated. It can be done walking. It can be done laying down. And there's so many ways. And we teach a very body-oriented um, type of meditation. So meditation, really center yourself. The second practice is psychological inquiry. Psychological inquiry can be done with yourself and it can be also done with another person. So this is getting in touch with how you feel, like what's going on with you. 
And the way we like to do the inquiry or support people in doing it is like kind of just you could even close your eyes and like, wow, what's going on with me right now? Wow. Yeah, I'm noticing I feel a little bit of a a tightness in my chest and there's this like kind of nervous feeling now and I feel kind of sad and you know I, I had this conversation earlier and it brought up this feeling for me and now I'm thinking about this and you're sort of inquiring into your experience not necessarily analyzing it but just feeling noticing this is so good you can do it you know journaling you can you know speak out loud to yourself um, if you're with somebody, Erwan and I do this psychological inquiry with each other um, three times a week. You know, we just take turns. We set a timer for 10 minutes each and we, we just share. You know, maybe we're sharing on a particular topic or, you know, last night we were um, we had, like I was mentioning, we've had family in town and we've had kind of a whirlwind and we were each inquiring into what stops us from deeply connecting and, and sharing with each other because sometimes we get distracted, right? So we just kind of both share. So this is psychological inquiry, keeps you connected. The third practice is body practice. So this is anything that gets you into your body. I mean, of course, like yoga is sort of the classic, but it doesn't have to be yoga. I mean, it could be just walking around your backyard with your feet in the, the, the wet grass or like stepping out onto the sand or doing a walking sort of conscious walking through your house or maybe it is some exercise but it's not like being on a treadmill staring at your phone kind of exercise you know something to get you into your body and then the fourth practice is sensual practice so having a kind of devoted time to exploring yourself sensually or your partner and we have these touching practices that we give people to practice so we recommend that people do the four practices regularly. I mean, daily, if possible, you know, if not a few times a week. Um, it's not about being ultra rigorous. But it's about you know, living these things rather than just thinking about them. Yeah, that's wonderful. I, I really kind of want to touch on body image with you. You know, a lot of people they have this bad image of their own body and you know no matter what your body type is or your body image there's an inside person that has loving caring feelings that carries emotion what what is your take on body image and how much emphasis should be put towards body image well, body image, that is a huge topic. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> a huge topic. Um, it's so huge, and I'm so glad you brought it up. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's so many levels I could address this. I mean, the first thing I'll say, just so you and people know, I mean, body image has been a huge part of my own journey. I grew up, I had a great upbringing, you know, especially relative to many things I've heard, you know, over the years from people, including my husband. And I lived in L.A., suburb of L.A., and, you know, went to a high school in L.A., and it was very image-oriented. And lots and lots of women or young women in 
in my high school struggled with body image, myself included. So there was a lot of attention on like, ooh, who's gaining weight? Who's losing weight? Who has an eating disorder? Oh, you know, your, your clothes, you're this, you're that, the car you drive, you know, everything was, was image. Um, and it's kind of, it's not kind of, it's really sad because if we take women's bodies for, for, for a moment, what I've learned over the years is that our bodies are so capable of feeling so much pleasure and there's so much enjoyment that can come from being in our bodies and feeling our bodies, um, particularly sensually. And when we're so concerned about you know, the look of it, then it can take away from actually feeling our bodies. Like I remember when I went, I went to college, so I had this obsession with my body image and I was, you know, just crazed. And I went to college and it just didn't stop. I thought maybe it would go away when I left my high school. But of course, you know how it is. Our psychological issues follow us everywhere. Um, you know, we can't, we can't leave them behind in LA and move to Santa Barbara and they'll be gone. So I realized this and was having kind of a rough time and I went into therapy and I got hooked up with this woman who led these incredible women's retreats. It was centered around body image and feminine power and all of this cool stuff I had never explored before. And I remember this moment that was really powerful at the workshop. You know, we were in these hot springs and we were taking turns floating each other in the hot springs. I'd never done anything like this. You know, I was like 19 years old. I'm like, oh my God, I'm like singing with these women floating in the hot springs and doing sweat lodges and all this. But I remember there was this moment when I was floating and being floated and the the sensation in my body was so palpable. I was looking up at the moon and I was like, this is amazing. My body is amazing. And it was like this moment where I realized that it was so much more than how it looked. And I think that's possible for, for anybody struggling with body image. And um, making peace with our bodies is a really important part of having a great, a great sensual life and, and romantic life. Yes, I, I agree. And, and it's so important. And, you know, I, I thought it was only women at first, but when I really started paying attention to life and my surroundings and people, men suffer just as much from that as women mm -hmm. do. And, you know, the division of men and women, this this division has to kind of stop. And we have to understand we're here for a purpose and a reason, and we're supposed to have a loving relationship. It's so important. You and your husband, you teach a pleasure course. Yes. That's so important for a couple, no matter who you are. Like we stated, sex is the key to everything. And it it's like the glue that binds that passionate chemistry together. So when you are teaching your pleasure course, how long is this course? And how deep does it dive into pleasure? Great question. So 
the first thing I want to say before I go into the pleasure course is, again, I said this earlier, but I just so want to drive it home about sex. Because when, cause sex, you know, one thing since I've been with Erewhon over the last 20 years and been really deeply involved with our work, my definition of sex has expanded radically. People think sex is intercourse. That's it. But right. no, right? It's, it's like sex. I mean, the, the, you, you could, you know, it's it's the, the coming together of opposites. It's the, you know, there's masculine, feminine, it's energy. You know, when you're, if you imagine yourself walking down the street, especially now, I don't know if it's like this where you are, but, you know, people are not wearing masks much anymore where we are in San Francisco you just see you know people's faces and you might just lock eyes with somebody for an instant and have that energy exchange and then you keep walking on or it's obviously with your partner having that that nice exchange of, of energy and it can be intercourse you know like the raw and the wet and the you know, yummy and the hot, or it could be a nice sensual touch, or it can be cuddling, or it could be looking into each other's eyes, or it can be just energy. So I want to say that, you know, because some people listening to this might be like, oh, God, I haven't had intercourse in a long time, or like, I've got some challenges I'm dealing with around that, or, you know, I'm single, or, you know, in my relationship, that's a struggle. And when we can expand the definition, we can experience it more. It's not cheating, you know? It's like, no, really, this energy is here and we can enjoy it um, on all levels. And the pleasure course is the foundational course that Erewhon and I teach. And we, I mean, Erewhon created it before I was, I was here. And it's online currently, so anybody can take it from anywhere. It's two days. And in the pleasure course, we go through in depth the five keys to have a successful relationship that we were talking about earlier. Remember those C words, the consciousness, the contact, the chemistry, the choreography, and the cultivation. And addressing sex and pleasure that way we found is the most effective because sex and even sensuality can be kind of confronting, you know, to just address directly. So we we go into it by cultivating a lot of presence in our bodies, awareness of our own psychological patterns that affect our romantic life and sex life. Then we explore chemistry and masculine feminine communication. And then we make our way into touch and pleasure. Now, this is an online class. So you're obviously in the comfort of your own home. Nobody's touching anybody. There's no nudity in the course. Um, but on the second day of the course, we do introduce our signature sensual technique, extended orgasm, and we go through orgasm. Like, what is that? You know, what is it? And how do you have it? And how do you extend it? And then we show a video demonstration of us practicing a clitoral stroking technique, the, what we, that's what we call extended orgasm. So there is that in the course, and you get to learn so you can practice yourself. Well, that's very important for people to understand how to participate in sex because, you know, a lot of us, we never did it before we did it, right? So right. You, you, <laughs> you have to. And and like I said earlier in the conversation, this taboo that follows that nobody wants to really teach people the correct way 
to be with your partner. And it's so important. It's not just about the sex. It's the sex starts way before the bedroom. And I just want to reiterate that it's, it's number one for me, but our time is running thin here. I could go on and on and on about this with you guys. But <laughs> Me too. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of those things that I find very important. How can people connect with you and get involved with what you and your husband are doing? Because you both combined have a forty year practice and that's a lot of experience that people need to tap into. Thank you. Yes, yes. So for anybody who's listening that wants to learn more about working with Erewhon and me, I recommend setting up a free love life consultation. So what this is, is something I'm offering to anybody who's interested in working with us. And it's not a, you know, obligatory thing, but you're like, wow, you know, I could learn some more about this. It's a conversation with me, either over Zoom or by phone. It's free and we'll get personal. You know, you can tell me anything you want about your romantic life or sexual life. Ask me questions, share your challenges, and I'll support you in coming up with with solutions. And if it looks like everyone and I can support you, I'll lay out the different options we have for working together. Um, we have private coaching. Um, we have a, our most popular class is called Mastery of Relationships. There's the pleasure course. There's, a, you know, we have affiliate programs and work trade and all sorts of opportunities. So the, there's two ways to set up the Love Life Consultation. One is you can text our number. Just text. It's 415-308-9580. And then also, I'll give you the link. There's a link people can click if they just want to fill out a form to claim the consultation. Um, our, our website is pleasurecourse.com. So I'll make sure you have those links to share with your listeners. And I look forward to connecting with people. Yes, that's wonderful. Uh, before I let you go, Alicia, what would be a call to action for people from you? Well, I would say to text 415-308-9580 to set up the Love Life Consultation. Or they can click the link in the show notes and then we'll set up a time to connect. That is a wonderful uh, ending to the show, Alicia. I thank you for being on the Dead America podcast. Thank you for having me. This was great. Thank you for listening into the podcast episode today. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend. Also, please follow us on any of your podcast players or if you'd like to get a little more personal with us and really identify what we truly are about and get involved with what we are doing, make sure you go over to the Google Play Store and download our new app. We can't wait to get involved with you. And that's going to finish up this episode of the Dead America podcast. Make sure you come back next week and follow along for another great interview. I'm Ed Waters, out.